Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is the National Intel Report. I'm your host, John Statmiller. It is Friday, ladies and gentlemen. It is the 11th, yes, yes, it certainly is, if I can get out, 11th of April 2007. There's a lot going on, a lot of what you know, some of what you may not know. We will fill in the gaps. We will give information. We will take phone calls. We'll take your questions and or suggestions. And anything that comes over the airwaves in the next two hours, it's a Friday, folks. Alan Watt with us in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Get ready for Real Talk Radio. You're listening to the National Intel Report with your host, John Statmiller. All right, we are back, and I have Alan Watt with me. And, Alan, I do believe you're from Astaire, Ontario, Canada. Is that not correct? That's right, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever had you on the program before. No, no you haven't. And I've uh, Michael Herzog, uh, I guess, had you on recently, and you're going to be back on his program here real soon. Yes. And he said, you got to get this guy on. you got to get him on. Well, here you are, and uh, he says that you've uh, gone down the rabbit hole, so to speak, and you know exactly what's going on with the globalism and all their little projects and everything else. If you can, as much as you can, uh, what's your background? I, I didn't, didn't even get a bio on you, sir. I've, uh, I've written books in the past on history. I've also got... Um uh, a history, quite a history as a singer, a songwriter too, and a session guitarist as well, um, and also books out in poetry and history. History, <laughs> history is what a lot of people don't seem to remember, and I don't know if this con- is convenient because we're just too busy trying to repeat the mistakes of others. But I remember Alan, a friend of mine, had above his desk. Uh, it was a word of caution, and I guess a philosophy of life. Pay attention to the mistakes of others, because you don't quite possibly have enough time in your life to repeat them and do them all yourself. So learn from the mistakes of others. And I think history is a good teacher on that. But that's something that is not really put into a philosophy uh, for 
for anybody anymore. And not, not for the ordinary people, that's true. However, it's always taught to the elite themselves because they have archives of history. They don't have public libraries. Public libraries are for the unwashed masses at the bottom. And, and uh, if you want power, you hold on to power because knowledge is power, you see. And, uh, well, of course, we have libraries, and it's, it's handy for reference materials or current history or entertainment value. But, yeah, you're correct. Um, there's a lot of history that is yet to be discovered because it's been in the hands of those that, well, don't want anybody else to know what's going on. That's a fact. Um, and they really started to hide history uh, towards the beginning, well, towards the end of the 1800s and the beginning of the 1900s. After 1920, everything was completely whitewashed, altered. Uh, lots of history were t was taken out when books were republished in new editions. They just put the history down the memory hole that Orwell talked about, never to be seen again. And, uh, and of course, then you have the, uh, uh, an edited version with all the, the good bits, the reasons for things happening uh, taken out of them, and you're left with nothing but battles and dates and winners and losers. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. You can watch the History Channel and pretty much find that out. I, I was thinking in terms of Iraq. Uh, you have written a lot on history, and I'm sure that you're familiar with some of the history of Iraq. And these aren't a bunch of uh, towel-head wearing sand people, nomadics, uh, uneducated, uh, backwards type people. Some of the history that you have come across on Iraq, and, and I've always warned people about this, that I do believe that they were the first uh, organized society on this planet to actually have electric lighting in the streets as a, like a public utility, if you will. Uh, mathematics, engineering. Uh, in Iraq, many thousands of years ago, they developed hydraulics, and those very same principles are in practice today. So this is not exactly a backwards nation. No, not at all. No, not at all. Um, I mean, it's all part of old ancient Persia from Iran right through Iraq. And uh, they certainly um, were the leaders of the ancient world. They were the New York of their day, the New York Empire. It's almost based on it, in fact. Same sort of thing, commerce, trade, um, the intellectual industry, uh, the business industry. Uh, it was all based in, in old Babylon, of course. So they had a tremendous history, and, and uh, they were the scientists of their day as well. Well, and I, and I noticed with our foray, of course, if you look at the Middle East right now and its current configuration, that's thanks to the British Empire and their tinkering in the Middle East. Yeah. We come on their heels to further take care of business in, our, in uh, the Middle East. And it, it seems to me that just watching the American if you can use the term expeditions into Iraq, it seemed to me that the robbing and the pillaging that was going on, yeah, some of it was aimed after plunder, but most of it that I saw was going after its history and its historic values and basically robbing that country of its own history and, and relics and artifacts. Yeah, it's actually organized. It was organized. There was even a documentary special uh, put out in Canada on the CBC just prior, about a month prior to the invasion of Iraq. And it was about a, a man in New York who was a multi-billionaire 
who was arranging uh, to sell all the artifacts in the, uh, the main museum in Baghdad uh, to private holders worldwide. He was taking bids on them. He was confident he would get them. And sure enough, when the American military went in with the CIA with them, uh, that whole uh, place was looted. And every item that he had on his list just happened to disappear. So you certainly do have organized crime at the top, beginning with the CIA. Well, and (laughs) we don't have to go back too many years. Uh, I think 1953 for Iran was a magical year for them with the installation of the Shah of Iran. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, And long before that even. I mean, Winston Churchill in the 1920s, and again in the 1930s in books that were ghost-written for him. None of these guys write their own books, but it was ghost-written for him. He said that eventually they'd have to go in there and take over that whole area because of oil, all the oil that was present uh, towards the north, towards where Kuwait is. They'd have to eventually go in there and confiscate all the property for the oil itself. But, but, but more than that, they had a plan for uh, regionalization of the planet back in the late 1800s in Britain and they wanted um, a united Europe that was part of the Cecil Rhodes agenda a united Americas and also the need to get Africa including the north of Africa united as well through revolutions and of course we know now that Britain was pretty well behind even Nelson Mandela's push to take over the African continent, really, with the ANC. Yeah, isn't isn't it fascinating? Uh, isn't it fascinating that every time that we have any dealings, have any influence militarily, economically, whatever, uh-huh. diplomatically, uh, it doesn't. That seems to be a thing of the past now. Now it's diplomacy at the point of a gun. But it seems that everywhere that the Americans have gone on this planet, just the wrong kind of people are installed in power. Yes, it just happens that way, isn't it? It's, it's such amazing coincidence. <laughs> However, they have their usefulness for a, a time, and old Saddam had his usefulness for a time. You see, the, the, the USA put him in, backed him, gave him all the, the armaments. In fact, Rumsfeld was the leg man who came over with the money and the poison gases that they put over Iran. And because uh, Rumsfeld has always been involved in politics and uh, the chemical industry, you'll notice, especially the warfare side of it. And it's so ironical that Rumsfeld just happens to be one of the boys in power with Bush when they, they end up going out to take out Saddam. He served his purpose. It was over. Well, and uh, it served its purpose as long as we were selling them weapons of mass destruction to use against the Iranians. That's it. Yeah. Um, just recently, Ahmad uh, Janabi, out of the Al Jazeera uh, online version, came out and said that... Uh, a law is being considered by the Iraqi parliament, and again, uh, this is people that are installed in power that are conducive to the United States' aims. Uh, they said that uh, this would enable the U.S. companies to take control of Iraq's oil industry, and uh, a proposed bill approved by the Iraqi government, this is back in February after months of wrangling, opens the country's oil sector to foreign investors 35 years after it was nationalized, And according to Ramzi Salman, an Iraqi economist who worked in the Iraqi oil ministry for some 30 years, he said this law is designed for the benefit of the U.S. oil companies. Mm -hmm. What a surprise, though, eh? Yeah, I mean, it's... It was on the the CBC here as well when the U.S. Air Force was demolishing the, the old oil wells, which they said were antiquated 
uh, they already had the plans to, to use American taxpayers' money to build brand new refineries, modern ones, which, which then would be given to Halliburton. You know, and so this is just the, the big boys and their business teams. War is just a business to them, and so is government. Well, and I've said this before, Alan, and I wanted to get your take on this. After looking at our adventurism here in Iraq back in the early 90s and again uh, in the year 2000, I'm looking at this and I'm feeling more and more that this is a grand wag-the-dog scenario which would tie up a lot of energy, a lot of resources, the myopic focus of the American people on what's being presented to them on the mainstream media. And I've looked at this situation, Alan, and I've thought to myself, what a perfect wag-the-dog scenario, because they need some time to further the globalists, that is, hijack the United States, and what a perfect cover in which to do it. Yeah, well, what you're seeing, uh, what we're seeing is like many, many prongs or spokes of a wheel all coming t towards the hub at the same time from so many directions. And we, we are the hub. The people are the hub. You have all these networking companies, uh, organizations, um, foundations, the great foundations, um, NGO groups which are authorized by the United Nations, all coming together uh, into a new society where we're going to be controlled from birth to death and told what to do by experts. Experts, the people that don't really care about human life. It's us uh, proverbial rats in the maze here or running in the uh, treadmill that they need for right now. But their plans are to eliminate quite a few of us, of course, to call that herd to make it more manageable for resource and control in general. We'll be right back. back we're talking with alan watt here today and uh, we're covering a myriad of subjects we will also entertain your calls at 800-313-9443 uh let's go quickly here to fred in philly hello fred hi hi uh you always hear on the media that iran is supporting the the shiite uh fighters uh, against the sunnis well, uh, a general, the American general who's in charge of that Iranian border uh, on C-SPAN said something really ridiculous. He said that he also is is claiming that Iran is supporting their enemies militarily, quote unquote, to keep the thing going. And if you believe that, uh, then 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 I have a lot of other questions for this this general. Uh, of which, by the way, Fred, you'll never be able to ask, um, and they're never asked by the media, and really, they never really drill anybody on it, and they always give people a pass. Yeah, and, and have we have we ever heard a single person uh, in the area talking their own words, how they feel or why they are acting a certain way? Any any Iraqi or Iranian average person have we have we heard that? No, we only hear. Uh, if there is a story about the Iranians, it's always a, uh, a prepackaged, uh, answer to a question. It's never an interview or, or town meeting or anything like that. Right, right. 
Is there anything specifically that you want to ask Alan Watt? Uh, well, um, I mean, you're talking about so many things, I guess. Uh, what's going to happen with, uh, you know, the way the media is run in the future? How will the uh, regionalization of the world, if it, if it comes about or if it's desired, how will that uh, affect how the news is covered? It, it won't be much different than the way it is right now. You have, uh, I mean, see, we are already global. Uh, the only reason that they sometimes hoist the flag is when you're paying money to keep an army somewhere to fight the final battles for globalism. Uh, we're already global, and uh, everything is going electronic, and you'll find they've already set up, I mean, filtering agencies to cover the Internet in, the, in some of the ten regions of the world. And I know that because they bombard my firewall every day, and you, you can get their addresses off them. Uh, they were, they're authorized to be there by the United Nations. They have the ability to go into anyone's computer. No program that you buy um, is, can keep them out. That's by law. And so uh, we're already global. So all the, the media in the world gets filtered through two or three main channels, which are really one. Uh, the routers and so on. Good so name, router. A router. You, you have you have like a multidisciplinary uh, expertise in in the uh, in the workings of this. I mean, yes. it's amazing. There's so few who do. I'm I'm welcome. I'm listening very intently. Uh, I have a concept, and John, I have, I have this concept, and I want to bounce this off of Alan and see what he what he have, what he has to say about it. Uh, I believe that there is a uh, a technique or a trend to create an artificial reality. Yep. And it doesn't have to work with everyone every time, or it doesn't have to work all the time with everyone, but statistically it seems to be being pushed on people. And the odd thing about it is that very smart people are actually quite susceptible to it. Yes, uh, the thing is... Um it's the virtual reality, and it's in all the big business magazines, how they're going to create virtual uh, uh, business meetings where you won't leave your home. This is all to lead literally to a brain chip. Uh, this is a fact. It's not fantasy. Uh, the cell phone was at the start to get you talking to people, to, to voiceless pe or faceless people through the ether. That was the start of it that Marshall McLuhan talked about back in the 60s, who worked for the big boys too. Um, how to alter perceptions. Now they're putting in uh, um, all these connections in buses in Boston and other places to encourage people to get out their cars. And so you'll have maybe 40 people in a bus all talking on their cell phones to people you can't see. However, they won't turn and talk to the real person next mm -hmm. to them. Oh, that's to get incredible. you out of yeah. reality into this ether world of, of uh, abstract voices. Right. And what about our elections, too? And also, what about the French elections where, and John, there seemed to be some sort of counterpart to this uh, VNS over there in France. Uh, there was a little blurb at the bottom of the screen where, you know, it seemed to indicate uh, results furnished by such and such a company for three networks over in France. And it seems as though you can, if you can do it here uh, by, by media, you can steal elections over there or anywhere else. Yeah, hang on a second. We're up against the break here. My guest today, Alan Watt. The phone number is 800-313-9443. Fred, hang on a second. 
We'll address some of the things that you have brought up, and we'll do that right after this short break for the network. to the National Intel Report, the real talk radio show. We are back, and Fred, hang on a second here, because what uh, we were, uh, I pulled up something here that I mentioned a few days ago, and Alan, uh, uh, this did not hit, um, this did not hit any medias here in the United States. Uh, we had the uh, the great queen over here the other day, a lot of pomp and ceremony. We're going to have Tony Blair. He's giving up the ghost sometime in June. He has his hand-picked successor for the Labor Party. But in the BBC News, as the dear queen is over here visiting our king, the BBC News put out on their uh, Internet sites that the U.S. and EU agree to a single market. The United States and the Euro- uh, European Union have signed up to a new transatlantic economic partnership at the summit in Washington. Alan, did you hear any of this up there in Canada? Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, but uh, it's not really a, a new signature to it. It's just an update to something which they'd already signed uh, back with President Wilson that long ago. That's how far back this uh, goes, you know, this part of it, yeah. They said that once they united the Europe, and then they were beginning or almost completing the stage of the unification of the Americas, then they would create uh, uh, Trans uh, America uh, Britain um, treaty as well. So that was written about back in 1920. Fred, uh, you'd brought up a lot of subjects. Is there anything that you want us to concentrate on or any questions or anything? Well, uh, I just do have an excellent show today, and I just wanted to say that my my concept was not really, uh, what is going on is not specifically about virtual reality, but more of a artificial reality I call it AR uh, and it would be concerning like social uh, psychology mm-hmm. because we have perceptions that are molded constantly and we do not have any defense against this molding of our perceptions well you do in some respect and I'm in, I'm in full agreement with you Fred that uh, yes we have been our minds have been molded as clay as Mr. Rockefeller once proudly announced we have had a dumbing down effect through the controlled medias. Um, the only thing that really stifles that is free speech, internet programs such as this. But we're not mainstream reaching or have the ability to reach the majority of the American people in a radio audience venue. And that is sad. And of course, that's exactly the way they want it. And as far as they're concerned, that, well, a few networks, little networks out here, you know, that relieves the steam. People are talking. They think things are getting done. In the meantime, we're just cutting through with what we plan to do, and it's an accelerated rate. Hey, Fred, I thank you thank for your you. call. Appreciate it. Um, Alan, I, um, this has been in the works for many, 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 many years. Um, I remember 10, 12, 13 years ago talking about this, and... Well, the media's response to anybody that was bringing up anything of this nature, well, you were just wild-eyed conspiracy nuts, or you're anti... That was a favorite. You're anti-government. I'm not anti-government. We need government in in large populated societies and countries. Otherwise, it would be just anarchy. 
uh, or it'd be Stone Age, and we'd be living out of caves, whatever the case may be. Uh, organized societies need form of governments, and I do believe that we had one of the best forms of government that was ever put together by the hand of man, and if they would have stayed the course on that, well... <laughs> <laughs> That's if they would have stayed the course on it. Uh, we would not be having one one-hundredth of the problems we're having right now. But this has been an, an, ongoing, an ongoing program for them, and they are just about ready to sew it up. What do you, what's this your... Is the final, this is the final push right now, actually. Um, uh, people think you see in short-term projects, the average person thinks that way, um, because they only plan what they can do in their lifetime, and even that they're not sure of. So it's hard for them to imagine that there are families and, and big powerful organizations and foundations which plan things intergenerationally hundreds of years down the road. Um, and and that's, what, that's the problem. Uh, we see the end of one thing happening and everybody worries about it, not realizing that the big boys are already introducing the new at the same time. They're constantly changing, upgrading us uh, towards a particular plan. Um, so the end of the, the, the independent uh, American countries, um, that's only one phase of this whole thing. Uh, as they're doing that, then they're bringing us down all globally down to a common level into habitat areas where there's to be no private property according to the UN's own agenda, uh, no private vehicles either. And then, of course, will come down the elimination of the population rate. Uh, no more, no more uh, picking your partner and deciding to have an offspring. Um, they're going to fulfill the, their whole agenda over a few generations. Let's go back to the phones. Jeff in Vermont. Hello, Jeff. Hey, hey, John. Hey, Alan. How are you guys doing today? Good. Um, I just want to know what Alan's intake on um, the uh, election in France with uh, Nicolas um, Sarkozy. Um, that was one of the questions I was going to ask. Go ahead. Oh. Yes, it just it seems you know you know I'm not French and um, seeing if I was from France I'd be a Frenchman and I'd probably want a French president governing my affairs you know because they're French and you know they we have something in common we have a common bond there and but they um, um, elected a Hungarian Jewish man and um, not to say that he's a bad man but I mean how how why would a society that you know elect somebody that that wasn't like them or wasn't for them or was for because he's he's if you if you read what he's doing he's his cabinet he's getting people from israel in his cabinet to uh direct the, the french people and he's importing people from out of the country to direct the the, the french people and it, it it seems to me that these people aren't getting it or, or they want well they get what they get Number one, uh, no one elects who they think they elect today. We get whoever has been decided that we're going to get, and, and that goes for every country. And it's been like that for a long, long time. The, the problem with Europe, and it's shortly to become the same here, is that once you amalgamate into uh, a union, uh, then you can get a person from Paraguay, for instance, uh, being the president of, uh, of Canada or, or, or the U.S., because they're all, they're, they're, they'll all be American then, you see. Um, and then anyone already in Europe who has a dual citizenship can come outside of that union and also apply to run as a president. So the whole world, we're going to see our, our share of the same thing here too. Yeah. Uh, but the people just, don't elect them. There hasn't been a genuine election for about 100 years. 
the main yeah, but it, it, but the people are falling for it regardless if there's a general election or not. The mainstream media or or whatever the case may be over there is leading the people on uh, like a, a master leading their dog on a yeah. leash. Yeah, and that's the job of the mainstream media. Uh, uh, you'll find most of the leaders there in the mainstream are members of the European branches of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, or CFR, same thing. And um, it's a global network you, that you have. Um, the media's job is to pacify the sheep, keep them in the sheep pen, and, and help them guide them into the next sheep pen when required. <laughs> That's this, it, that's a good description. I, I kind yeah, of, you'll find that most uh, most of these. You see, once you become a journalist, you get a license, and if you don't play the game, your license is gone. And so you're told what to do. You're a prostitute, and they know it too. I've had many of them admit it to me. Yeah. So there's there's like a, I just watched this uh, debate they had in Oxford, um, England, about APAC in America and how nobody talks about APAC and it's like this hidden role. They had normal Norman Finkelstein and some other dignitaries from you know from America talking about it. And uh, Norman Finkelstein said that you know we're in Oxford, England. We're talking about APAC. Why sh about not being able to talk about APAC in the United States because it's a golden rule that you can't talk about APAC. That's a, you probably know that's the American Israeli Political Action Committee and. Um, the whole, the whole thing is that there's a, there's certain subjects that you know that the media can't talk about because they don't want us to learn and and I think with the internet I kind of have a, a faith in and and because I think these elitists are scared of the common man I think that's one thing. Well, what you have going right back to the times of H. G. Wells, remembering that he was an authorized um, propagandist for this whole world agenda. He, he was picked uh, for the Secret Service of Britain, um, which is a really elite group above even MI6. And uh, he was a propagandist with a massive team of propagandists working under him. And uh, he said in his own writings, I mean, most of Wells' books were non-fiction. We, we know him for the fictional works, but um, most of them were non-fiction. He was also a founding member of the Fabian Society, which was a supposedly for the left wing, although it was chartered by uh, the Queen, you know, given a royal charter to exist, because um, they own all sides. And Wells himself uh, wrote a book on the, the peoples and species and types of peoples who will be allowed to come into the new age, the new era. And he said, uh, amongst uh, the higher quality uh, British people, and some of the American ones with British descendancy, he said, um, uh, they will also bring in many Jews because on a Darwinian principle, they've proved that they could come through uh, many countries, many years of persecution and prosper through their intellect, and therefore they would be used heavily eventually as sort of world managers in the civil service class. So they've never. Whenever these guys write about their agenda, you can take it to the bank because they mean what they say and they always do what they say. And and they are doing a good job at what they're doing. You you got to almost take your hat off to these. People. Well, you do. I mean, if if you're for world conquests and elite and uh, being separate from the rest of the planet and humanity, you absolutely have to tip your hat to them because they have done an outstanding job and they've been laboring for hundreds and hundreds of years doing it. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for your call. Appreciate it, Joe. All right. Um, 
yeah, on the on the subject here of Sarkozy, you know, uh, Prime Minister Jean-Pierre Raffian, in a recent book, wrote a, a, a form letter to Mr. Sarkozy that basically he said, you will inherit a France made of crystal. He said, you'll need to handle it with care. And on some some fronts, he's got a lot of people confused, Alan, uh, because he's into, apparently, uh, he introduced stricter immigration laws that led to the deportation of tens of thousands of immigrants. But then, at the same breath, in a speech that he gave, he's admonishing the United States uh, not to go against the global warming thing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they play these games. You know, they, they play to the to the crowd and they play to the balcony at the same time. That's a good politician. Um, but uh, it's just a game to them. They're told what to do. They cannot act independently or they would be Kennedied very quickly. Uh, so, so they all know what their job is. They take their orders. The guy who's the front man, the president, is never the boss. And that's the same in all high, high, high Freemasonry. It's the number two man. Number two is always the boss. And so the front guy just does what he's told. His advisors, who are unelected uh, and all in touch with each other globally, and that's why they go along with the whole global agenda, uh, they're the guys who make the decisions for the presidents. It's rather fascinating to watch this come about. And uh, what do you think on the political front here in the United States? Ron Paul recently threw his hat into the political candidacy ring for president in 2008. Um, this is a sticky wicket for the Republican Party, is most certainly the Democrats here in this country. Because as you look at the parties, on the core main issues, there's no variance. No. But we'll play political games with wealth redistribution, and it doesn't matter on what side of the aisle it is. Uh, many people in this country are confused. They think Republicans, oh, they're for big business. Well, yeah, but uh, the Democrats aren't too far behind that. And it's an interesting mix of socialism and communism and the hijacked Democrat Party versus neocon Republican Party. Uh, what we're seeing forming in here in the United States is a, is a very interesting mix of, uh, of socialism. Well, that's been going on for a long time. But we also have uh, what Benito Mussolini called corporatism. That is going on most assuredly. We have a guy that pops up and says, I'm going to run for president. And I don't know if you were able to see this debate either as it was carried live on MSNBC or on the web. But, Alan, this guy, he is not only a danger to the Republican Party, because I watched very intently as he mentioned the first time he mentioned the Constitution. It was like, oh, here we go. All of the heads of the other candidates cranked almost as it was pulled by a string to look at Mr. Ron Paul. Now, he smashed these guys into debates. Now, the online news services, Yahoo, it doesn't matter who it is, a lot of them left them off of their sites. But he just hammered everybody there. He took the debate by storm. He's got another one coming up here in, I think, just four days. As he is continued to be included in these debates... He's, he's pointing to the Republican Party that they are an embarrassment to this country, its founding documents. What, what's your take on Ron Paul? Have you given that much thought, Alan? Um, I'm always weary. I don't know enough about him, but I know I'm always weary about leaders, especially champions, because um, back in, in the early 1900s, Britain wrote uh, books, manual books, on how to give the public their leaders for all sides. 
and uh, the diplomatic corps were taught these strategies of provocateur, etc. Um, these were training manuals. I have some of them here. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they said we'll always give the people their, their, uh, their leaders who will say all the right things and, of course, always do the opposite once they're in power. Um, so I can't really say until the man actually gets somewhere. Well, if you, yeah, I understand. Well, he's been a congressman for a number of years. He was known as, uh, and he's a medical doctor by training, and he was known on the Hill as Dr. No. And he's made it quite clear that he's against the U.N. agenda, uh, when one of the first questions that would ask of him in the debate was about the IRS, he said within a week it'd be gone. <laughs> yep. So, but if you look at the guy's voting record, it's one thing for politicians to get co-feared and suited up and have their scriptwriters um, and be prepped for debates or whatever. But this guy speaks from the heart and he speaks by experience. But more importantly, his track record is the one that supports who he is. Mm-hmm. The thing is, though. Um, Professor Carol Quigley in his book Tragedy and Hope um, and he he goes into it deeper in his other book uh, um, which is into the Anglo-American establishment he said that um, there's an organization he says that's existed for over 50 years that was written in the 60s who have picked basically run the US since that time and they, they choose the presidents and the top cabinet members um, it doesn't matter about the lesser ones down below. They are allowed to have competitions between themselves, uh, but it says they always put their own people in at the top. So I, 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 I don't believe there is any democracy at all. I don't believe that at all. Well, it's and, gone. It's yeah, gone. Well, democracy. That's an illusion for the public to keep them voting. Well, and and if uh, all things being equal. I guess, coming from the standpoint of having a constitutionally limited republic, I guess the next step would be democracy. And if you're saying that's gone... Well, Wilson said it in the 1920s. All right. Hang on a second, Alan. We've got to take the break. 800-313-9443. We'll be right back. Hmm. Democracy dead. You know, I've often asked this question, Mr. Watt, on this very program. Why is it that our politicians in Washington, D.C., and our presidents refer to this country as the greatest democracy, which was the bane to a limited republic? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because in democracies, as we know, if you can convince 51% of the people through the mouthpieces, the politicians, the talking heads, and the media, uh, editorial writers, you name it, uh, foundations, people of wealth and influence. Well, if you can convince 51% of the people that the other 49% have to go, hey, well, there's your democracy. Mm-hmm. And, and as I say, Wilson, at the time when they, they first came out with this transatlantic agreement, part one, that was just completed, uh, he was the first one, the uh, first American to uh, use that term uh, about America. He called it a democracy. And it's been, of course, uh, reiterated many, many, many times to, to alter the people's perception of what they actually had. And it's been very successful with most people. Um, but the fact is, yeah, I mean, uh, as far as electing people go, as I say, the elections are total frauds. They're, they're, we're not dealing with people at the top who play fair. They play a system of, of pretense and fairness. And that's the illusion that we must believe. Um, we are already under... Uh, uh, um, an intellectual elite's 
uh, agenda where they plan everything for us through think tanks, etc. And all the foundations pick the members. And as quickly said, they decide who they're going to put in. And whoever they put in uh, is, has been well trained and vetted for their position years in advance before the public even hear their names. Right. So there's no such thing as fairness when it comes to voting. Well, and I put it this way. Lance, hang on a second. I'll get to your call here before the top of the hour. But I put it this way. It's like uh, watching American baseball. Uh, we're the home team, and we hit the field, and we're playing strictly by a set of rules, only to discover that we're getting our butts kicked inning after inning, and uh, nobody discovers that the other side is playing by a different, completely different set of rules. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly how it is. Uh, we're kept uh, truly like children. We're, we're, we're trained like children today. They've taken critical thinking, uh, teaching, and logic out of the schools. They should teach the courses in that. Um, the children are given minimal education. In fact, they're given a social indoctrination to accept those things which they will see into, coming into existence in their lifetime. Uh, so they're, they're sitting ducks for the, the high manipulators and the media. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the other side don't play by fairness. They never, ever had. I still laugh when you talk about the British sporting attitude. And when he, he knocked his opponent down, he'd help him up. That was a great myth. That was a fantastic myth, that one. Because when he'd him down, no, he'd, he'd put a bayonet at him and finish him off. <laughs> That's the reality of it. Let's go quickly to Lance in Tennessee. Hello, Lance. I've got a uh, question for Alan. Yes, sir. Um, I, I, I can believe to uh, a point what you say about the quote-unquote big boys and, like, uh, everybody running, you know, certain group of people running everything, you know, it's a good point, but when you start talking about how eventually, like, it will get to a point where uh, they'll pick our mates for us, and uh, we won't have any say for that, like, uh, I, I just don't understand how they would go about doing this, especially with uh, thousands of years of literature on love and uh, soulmates and uh, ingrained in our culture and, and our beliefs from uh, almost from birth, and uh, I just don't understand how uh, any people, any sort of elite class, uh, any kind of government that they run, can turn such a uh, belief system around in such a short period of time that they need to do, even over a course of hundreds of years, like you say. Yeah. Lance, Lance, hang on one second. We'll have to carry you through the top of the hour break. Uh, Mr. Alan Watt, please stand by. We'll continue this conversation with our guest. Second hour coming up. It's hard to find in the morning. Back, ladies and gentlemen, hour two of the National Intel Report. And after the break, I'm going to ask the obvious question to Mr. Watt. How important are these alternative media outlets for the education of American people? And, well, we're global. I let a, read off the list one day of all the countries that are online listening us listening us uh, to us here in this country very, very intently. We have a large following in Canada. 
uh, all over the planet, uh, as far away as Paraguay, Spain. I don't have the list in front of me, but we are all over the place. And, by the way, the government likes to listen uh, to us, too. And the contingent of the military out there, we appreciate you guys tuning in, all right, because you know what we're up against, and we certainly know. And we're going to bring you guys home soon. I've seen a lot of fluff on the news lately about... Um, sending thanks, a million thanks to you. Uh, it's a program that's just been started up. Well, there's almost been a million Iraqis killed in this deal. Um, and many more than is being reported. Honestly, there's many more of you that have been killed that are maimed for life or are dying because of depleted uranium and other factors. We understand the plight, we know what we're up against, and we want you guys to hang tough and one day come back to this country in the defense of this country, not for a quest for, it's been sometimes called empire building, I'm calling it wag the dog, but however you think about it, much, much human life is being expended, money and time for no purpose for the United States whatsoever, at least not for the common man here in America. Lance in Tennessee. Um, oh, by the way, I forgot to give out the 800 number to call the network. 800-724-2719. We'll take the break here. Lance, hang on one second. Alan Watt will be back with us right after this break. You're listening to the National Intel Report with your host, John Statmiller. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, with my guest today, Mr. Alan Watt out of Canada. And Lance in Tennessee, sorry to keep you holding there. You still with us, Lance? Yeah, yeah hi there. Yeah, you, you were alluding to, um, and if I'm hearing you correctly, we have been indoctrinated one way. So how is it that people are going to accept a new paradigm? Is that pretty much where you were going? Well, I mean, I mean, not just like in doctrine. I mean, like, you know, it, love itself and choosing, you know, your quote-unquote soulmate. But, I mean, Shakespeare before that, you know, the Greeks, you know, I mean, the first, you know, writing, music. I mean, well, what, what's music about except for getting the girl, right? I mean, like, why do you do these things? Yeah. I, I just don't understand how... An elite group, and you know, the, the elite, quote unquote elite group people that uh, are running everything um, that Alan says um, could, could do this. Yeah, um, Alan, um, love. They they profess love. I mean, they have the love of the planet, global warming. They want to mm-hmm. do something about it. They want to put the carbon tax in. They want to manage they love the love taxes. You're right on there. Yeah, yeah they love taxes. Yeah, uh, usury. It doesn't matter in what form or fashion. But uh, they their theme is uh, for the love of the planet. So, isn't that sort of a love? Yeah, that's that's not them. That's that's just the. The excuse given that came up, uh, the whole thing about uh, global warming uh, or the sky is falling uh, crisis type deal to get us all united under a common cause so that we could be sheep herded into a world uh, run by experts was dreamed up at the Club of Rome. 
that was its that was part of its function was to bring the global agenda forward by uh, creating uh, uh, scenarios of coming crisis uh, propagating it to the people through propaganda and getting the people brainwashed to believe it and they said that that they sat around a table in a book recently released 96 I think it was released by the founders of the society they sat around a table and said um, they came up with the idea uh, of using the weather as an enemy because we had to have an enemy you see to unite the planet mm -hmm. and, uh, and then fool the people into believing them through massive indoctrination and propaganda uh, that's already been pretty well successful especially with the young they get brainwashed with this stuff at school so um, they always go for the next upcoming generation and bypass the older ones that are dying off and looking forward to their pensions. In your book, Cutting Through the Matrix, uh, in response uh, to my previous caller here, um, why does the waking up process fail to spread quickly through society? And here's five points you make, and I'm going to run through it quickly. Uh, talking about people in general, he is terribly naive. He believes the massive corrup corruption just happened to begin in his own lifetime. Otherwise, mummy or daddy or teacher would have warned him about it. It does not occur to him that his parents, teachers, etc. were as conditioned as he was. Second point you make, most people do not wish to know. They, like farm animals, have been domesticated. Wild animals, uh, original, uh, have the natural instincts of self-preservation. They sense the evil intentions of predators, and they survive by trusting their instincts. Wild herds do not hang around when one or more members drops dead. Specially bred sheep do that. Uh, Pavlovian, your third point, conditioning, response, indoctrination has been uh, fed to every individual through schooling. The media then takes over. People's opinions are simply sound bites from news, talk shows, or quotes from glossy magazines. Your fourth point, Trust replaces the instinct of self-preservation. It overrides memory and logic. Controllers and shepherds encourage the trust, by the way. And your fifth point here, when threatened with the loss of possessions, property, access to health care, etc., people turn to government, them being the predators, for help and or organized religion. Should an individual persist in pushing for his rights, he will be removed from society and placed in a psychiatric hospital or prison on any number of pretexts. The alternative is death by accident or shot by police while resisting arrest. Pretty much covers that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. This is an ongoing scientific indoctrination uh, that was discussed at a 1934 uh, Communist International meeting, the Comintern meeting uh, headed by Beria, who went through... Uh, the, the psychological techniques which will be used in all countries, East and West. And he said it used to take us 70 years to make major cultural changes in society. He says now we have it down to every five years through uh, getting the children early and using a scientific indoctrination. So every five years they could introduce new parts of a culture until within 20 years you literally had it, uh, a complete reversal of morality. Uh, now it's even shorter because uh, the, the child going into daycare today is getting readied from day one for what he or she will experience in their lifetime. It's, like, it's a graduated system of indoctrination. It's perfect, actually. Well, I do not give up hope for American parents, and I don't think that the majority of them have been indoctrinated that they would not recognize danger signs 
But uh, there is, I think, Alan, a certain amount of apathy. And in this society, and, and I'm starting to see this, and this is the worst of all things that can befall us, it is the loss of hope. And that is, yep. being, that is being eradicated rather rapidly. It is, because uh, the media is keeping them busy with so many real and fake crises all ongoing. Everyone senses, even if they don't know really what's happening, they sense big changes are coming, and they feel powerless. They're afraid of the economy crashing. All the stuff that the media controls, which is fear primarily, uh, is downloaded into them, and they don't know where to turn. The old institutions have failed them, sadly, although they they still turn to the the regular religions, uh, which are run by top Freemasons, all of them, and... um, and they wonder why the religious leaders are not uh, warning them or giving them advice or, or telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. They don't realize that their top leaders, especially in religion, their job is to keep the sheep. The good shepherd keeps the sheep uh, in ignorance, ign- ignorant bliss, basically. Well, in, in this particular case, in this country, we the people, we are the government. But people have become dependent. They have become lazy. Um, they and have they've also become to accept it. You see, gradually over time, in this introduction of the, the world of society, of experts, it, they have begun to believe, um, through their own indoctrinations, that they are inferior. Uh, everybody on the news brings on an expert for, for every darn thing there is. Even the weather reports bring on experts in different mm-hmm. areas. And, and uh, they've succumbed to it all. They believe it. And they now really, really do believe that these politicians are somehow superior to themselves. They, they, they've been taught to believe this. Um, and there's nothing further from the truth. Most politicians are not the brightest people at all. They're just basically psychopaths who clawed their way up through something and, and got rich by doing it because they have no conscience. Uh, the deviants in the society are in control. And at the very top, you have uh, thousands of years of inbred deviance, uh, psychopaths breeding with psychopaths and acquiring the wealth of the planet. This planet is just one long-term business plan to them, and, uh, and it's got to be run efficiently and more efficiently. So it's up to the ordinary people. See, the last caller had a good point. What about love itself? Well, you see, the top people can't feel love as we have it. They don't have that. They don't feel empathy for others. They don't have that. They're not born with it. It's missing in their brain. And Plato talked about this 2,300 years ago when he talked about how we, the elite, create the culture for the people. And he was quite correct in the science. It was well understood even then. But um, he said we can breed people like domesticated animals. And he said we can breed qualities in or qualities out. Just like if you want a guard dog, you you get an aggressive dog and you breed it with another one and keep doing it. Well, the same thing if you want a a psychopathic ruler to dominate and be cruel when required, you would breed psychopaths together. And that's what we have. The deviants are in charge. And I cannot see how it can be any other way in this particular type of system of profit, which is winners and losers. Let's go quickly to Marcus in Pennsylvania. Thanks for holding, Marcus. Sure, sure, no problem. Um, just sitting there listening to you talk about Iraq and how they're a, a very civilized people, and um, Iraq was mentioned in Bible days. That's, I believe, that's Babylon. 
Uh, Nebuchadnezzar ruled the world. Iraq ruled the world at one time. Uh, they changed the name to of Iran. Uh, it was, Iran used to be Medio Persia until not too long ago, and uh, so they're changing the names of these places and confusing the issue. And uh, if you you know read the Bible, you'll know the history. Alan. It's, Oh, yeah, they've always been changing. However, when you see what you've got here, even in the ancient past, uh, was with the introduction of money came the introduction of the system. The money uh, and the ability to then tax it back from people created a, um, an intellectual class that were paid to think, the first think tanks, you might call them, just like ancient Greece had with the philosophers. And, and then, of course, with money, they could hire armies and keep them together, standing armies, to conquer the other peoples who were outside of their system and then force the money onto them and then tax it back from them. It's getting the people to believe in money in the first place that's the first trick. Once you do it, you've given everything up uh, because the guys with the money then rule over you. Uh, the elite and all empires down through history have never been destroyed they move out of the empire as it's falling down and they've already created a new home for themselves to go and another thing uh, that uh, French ruler uh, the French government electing that uh, foreign ruler doesn't surprise me because that's what Nebuchadnezzar did in his day uh, having foreign people rule over other foreign people very common, yeah, very common. So, that he w so that he would not um, have Marcus, hang, hang on one second. We got a break here. We'll be right back. We are back, uh, Marcus. Uh, do you have a uh, Do you have a question here? I'm I'm trying to hone this thing down. Marcus, you still there? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to point out the uh, uh, Babylon connection with Iraq and all that. I really had no. Uh, I just wondered if Alan believed that, and, uh, and he said he did. And point out to the other caller about the French uh, government. There, it's no real surprise. It's all written down in advance in the Bible, anyway. That was all I wanted to uh, say there. Look at H.G. Wells again, the propagandist who was given the material to write about. His job was to write stories around them, and is not in his fictional works. But in the book, The Shape of Things to Come, uh, he talks about the final war for a global scientific government. He called it the Freemasonry of scientists that would run the world internationally. Uh, it was to begin in Basra, which is exactly where the British troops went into Iraq this time. So they knew back in his day, in the 1920s and 30s, uh, they would be doing this now because we are just running to a business plan with its timetables. Yeah, we truly are. Yeah. The question that uh, it, it begs to be asked, um, we have had uh, talk show hosts and uh, contentious disagreements about who is in control of what. Um, many people will argue that it's the new, up-and-coming, relatively new, Zionist political movement and if we look Alan in recent history past uh, the root of communism uh, which is the antithesis of the type of system of government we have and a lot of governments around the world we saw the root of socialism and communism we see the root of world banking we see a lot but some people will contend 
that it, uh, because the Vatican, it has been around for such a long time, that they are actually the taskmasters and the Zionists are the puppets. Yeah. Um, what happened in the 1700s? They had so many wars ongoing in Europe that they knew that the cost of the wars would gradually increase as science increased with new weaponry. And they had a, an international meeting with all the top global leaders and monarchs, including uh, mem- uh, the members from the Vatican. And they thrashed it out right there, the Concert of Europe, uh, where they, would, they, they said that it had to come in to some kind of uh, fraternal agreement. Um, in other words, what you saw was like all the mobsters of Capone's era coming together and giving allegiance to each other where they'd all get their cut but work towards a common agenda. And the common agenda was global. They knew they were striving for globalism back then. Uh, so then, uh, in the 1800s, from Britain, at Oxford University, um, the, the push was put out there to put professors in charge who would recruit students who would create foundations to be heavily financed with these foundations, unlimited financing, to go out into the world and to create networks that would go under many, many names, including the Club of Rome, the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, and many, many others, the Bilderbergers. And they have done that. The, the, the Vatican plays its side as well. They all play the game and put their old guys forward. Because at the top levels, if you have a multi-billionaire who's a Jew, he, he's only a Jew by birth. He has nothing in common with the rest of the people. And, and neither will his wife that's picked for him any more than the queen uh, picks her husband um, or believes in Christianity, even though she's a top of the Church of England. They don't believe in the religion that they, of the people they govern over. And that goes the same with the top Catholics as well. Well, in order, and we're, we're coming around to the obvious question here, that we know that we have a problem. We have identified many of the groups, organizations, think tanks, foundations, governments, not only people in this government, but governments around the world that have been in favor of this globalization process. But if you were to pin the tail on the proverbial donkey, Alan, what would you put as the main, uh, I guess you would say, the main culprit in this sad play? There's no doubt, London. There's no doubt whatsoever. London's the key there. Um, in the 1500s, John Dee at Queen Elizabeth I's court, um, the first openly Rosicrucian court, which was a Masonic court, um, John Dee came up with the plan to create a British or British empire, as he called it, based on a form of free trade with the members coming in that would uh, not be charged duties or import duties or export duties within the groups, but they'd have to adopt the British form of system of government, and it would be done step by step through regionalism and then eventually uniting Europe, the Americas, and Pacific Rim area. This was all written in the 1500s, and that's when the societies really started to, to spring up and work towards this goal. Countries that joined this association of free trade not only would adopt the, the democratic principles of so-called of Britain, 
um, but they would also um, be given most favored nation status. Where have you heard that before? Uh, many it's 500 times. years old. Yes. 500 years old, yeah. Many, many, many times. And this, this was the buzzword that was given to China. Mm-hmm. And it, even the common man out there has to ask the question, Alan, if communist China is no friend of the United States, why, why did we give the most favored nation status? Mm-hmm. to import their goods here in this country duty-free, mm-hmm. to put the product for sale on the on the <laughs> shelves of Wally World, I call it. It's Walmart or whatever, any box store. And I said, well, short-term, American consumer is going to love it, cheaper goods, but you're doing yourself out of the job that used to produce those goods here in this country. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. to the National Intel Report, the real talk radio show. The cutting, let me get this correct here, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, you have a lot of things on this site. Uh, You have uh, MP3s, ancient religion, history on compact discs. I have part one, part two of that. Um, you have a lot of things on this, uh, books that you've written, articles, and so on. Folks, I would urge you to gain a greater understanding, and not only just historic, but a greater understanding of the mindset. See, Alan, a lot of people can't get their minds wrapped around because they think of them uh, of life of being within their birth-death cycle, and they can't see... Be before them, and they certainly can't see after they're gone. The question I have asked repeatedly of people that have woken up, that can see that proverbial handwriting on the wall, is that as you tuck your children in at night, and you've done everything that you possibly could to make sure that they're nourished, and they're schooled, and educated, and they're clothed, and they're loved, and, and all of these things that all good-meaning parents do for their children, that when you tuck your children in at night, in bed, and hopefully after they've said their prayers, that if you do not do your utmost personally for the sake of your children to rectify what we see going on around us, that you're consigning them basically to slavery. And there's really no point to having children or raising your children, because if you do not do anything to secure their freedom and their liberty for at least their generation. And if you're narcissistic enough that your belief system is, well, I want to be free now here in my life, and I don't care what happens to anybody else, even if it comes from a narcissistic attitude such as that, and say that you have no children, I I would settle for that. But what do you say, Alan Watt, to these people that are just going along to get along and just scraping by and doing the best that they can when they tuck those children into bed at night, what, what would you say to them if you had their ear right now? I, I would tell them that uh, if, if they don't understand, as I say, this, the mentality at the top, which is, is psychopathic with power and all the money in the world, uh, the culture itself that we're brought into is, is tainted with the same problem 
we are not psychopathic, but we've been taught to be egocentric, a phenomenon that was pushed since the 1950s through marketing and advertising, where every ad tells you you're supposed to smile when you buy toothpaste or something or whatever it happens to be, and that, that being a, having a frown or worrying or discussing um, downer problems uh, was just taboo. Uh, turn away from those people uh, that's been instilled in the public consciousness now so they don't want to look at anything that's serious or or uh, will make them upset they themselves the, the adults have become children have stayed children which is really the definition of socialism you're a perpetual child your whole life so so those parents have got to realize um, they are responsible not only for the present generation uh, and for those to come you're doing this if you stand up and start speaking out and demanding your rights because you do have rights. Uh, you're not an inferior species, believe you me. Um, uh, you're also doing this for all those who've gone before you who've lived and died and didn't know either that their system was uh, rigged from top to bottom. What do you, uh, and, and uh, there are obvious questions I must ask. How important are the alternative medias for a transmission belt for information? You'll find most of them, again, are put out and get uh, covert funding from the big boys because they run all sides. That's standard in the, in the, in the old handbooks of the British um, consulate training. Uh, so, so you have to be very careful. I don't go into any camps, left, right, or up or down, um, because I know darn well that you can't stay in a tunnel. Uh, if, you can't, if you stay in a tunnel, you have a tunnel of vision, you don't know there's a tunnel alongside of you. Uh, I'd rather explore them all and see what is real. Um, and again, you've got to get past all the confusion that all the different sides and tunnels create, tunnel visioners create. Um, they create more problems often. They, they muddy the waters rather than clarify it. And what they always do is end up picking uh, a group of people to blame. That's why everyone's uh, blaming either it's the Jews or it's, it's the Vatican, or it's the Jesuits. It's, the, it's not, you know, it's all of them combined at the top. It's the elite of all those countries that are just one big club. That's all. Well, I, I have yet to receive my check from the Rockefeller Foundation or uh, from APAC or from uh, the Pope over in Rome. I, I, I guess uh, uh, we have been accused of being uh, New World Order Vatican-led uh, or um, taking people down a rabbit hole. But my quest has always been, Mr. Watt, to expose what is not only going on now but the reasons why it's going on and then the possible solutions to end this in the future. Now, all is not rosy in the globalist plan here. There are chinks in their proverbial armor. And they're ready for it. That's the thing. I mean, the Department of Defense in Britain, that really is the same as, as the whole NATO organization, put out its manifesto for the next 50 years what they foresaw coming. And what they foresee coming is what they're preparing for, uh, flash mob violence and all this kind of stuff and great uprisings from the public. And this is from the top of the, you know, this is the, you can't get any higher than the Department of Defense in Britain. And this was printed in the Guardian newspaper over there. Uh, so they, they even thought about dropping uh, neutron bombs on selected areas of, to do ethnic cleansing. I believe, I kid you not, this is mainstream newspapers from the top. So, so they are preparing for the worst. And I, and I have to say, well, what have they got in store 
for Joe average public that would make him go to those lengths to to cause the, the retaliation they would find that was waiting for them. What are they planning to do to the public? Well, we know what they're planning to do, and none of it is pleasant. So it's up to the ordinary people now to stop fighting other groups, cross over, and start coming together, because if we don't, we've had it. Well, and I'm in agreement with you there, but therein, therein lies some problems, accepting other groups and other paradigms of thought into this. That, uh, that they're... They have to dispel them. They have to dispel uh, all their particular uh, pet beliefs because this involves everybody on the planet. It's not just a national thing. I understand. And what are they then... I have to ask the obvious question. Well, we know what they're prepared for. What are they not prepared for? What they're not prepared for are individuals coming out with the basic facts and, uh, and, and pointing to simple solutions to even kick the ball off. And no one will touch this one, of course. And I say that you, there's one common organization that's in the Vatican, it's in through the Protestant religions, it's through the Jewish religion, the Mohammedan religion, Islam is through everything, and that's Freemasonry. And Freemasonry is sworn to bring in um, a fraternity worldwide, worldwide brotherhood, with a new system. And you'll find that the guys who run from your from your school board to your mayor to the, to the guys uh, on your town council, all the way up to your state, all the way up to the president, and every country are all Freemasons, and they've already sworn allegiance to the United Nations. Well, okay. Well, I had asked the question before, and I, I guess I, I framed it in such a way that if you were to pin that proverbial, proverbial rather, mm -hmm. uh, tail on the donkey, yeah. um, you mentioned Freemasonry mm -hmm. as uh, the umbrella and the controlling factor. Mm -hmm. So then, would it not follow then that Masonry, Freemasonry, mm -hmm. and its organizations that it controls is the enemy? It's, it's a tool of the enemy because the, the big boys own Freemasonry. They own it. They gave it to the people. Up until about the, the 1500s, they only had noble orders for aristocracy. Then they had to create a middle class for the up-and-coming industrial era, so they, they gave a lower order of Freemasonry for the ordinary people. And they're all sworn to uphold the system as it stands. And that means the, the big boys who control it. So they've already given their allegiance to a global agenda, and here you are electing them into your school boards right up to your presidency uh, until the people start demanding uh, to know the organizations these people belong to, what oath they've already sworn to, uh, then, then uh, you shouldn't have any of them in office, Jean? male or female. Gene yeah. in Texas. Hello, Gene. Gene, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello? Yes. Uh, I want to say I agree with man. I, this guy is so on the mark for what I believe. Uh, I truly believe it comes from all things. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Go ahead. I've always wondered about this for quite a long time about the religion deal. We're fighting under uh, restraints of, of various uh, religions, most of which are splinter groups that have uh, started. Uh, most of them, I guess, since we've been here in the U.S., off the original, whatever they were. <laughs> you 
Catholicism or Jewish or whatever. And uh, that keeps us in control, but they don't play by these rules any more than they do the Constitution. Right. So when you talk about the Constitution, you're fighting them with something they don't respect, so it renders us somewhat helpless. They don't regard that as anything. And uh, I, I just wanted to mention that, and I have one other question that always bothers me trying to figure out or I'd like to know his perspective on this. Is this whole thing set up? It has to mostly be for power, surely, rather than just money, because I, I can't uh, conceive of how they can make be more prosperous in a slave planet than they can under a prosperous planet like we have. I've heard these sentiments echoed before, Alan. Yeah. It's very interesting. You've got to understand that you have a separate culture with its own religion at the top. And and when you when you start to understand that part, plus you're, you're dealing, as I say, with inbred psychopaths that are going for thousands of generations, um, they truly believe they're a separate species. And that's where the whole thing of evolution comes from. Charles Darwin, that came out with... Uh, uh, the sent a man and all the rest of it uh, uh, was a high mason and he was told to, to put that book out his grandfather had tried putting out the same book before him yeah. and they brought belonged to the Royal Institute which was or the Royal Society which was the first Freemasonic scientific society uh, evolution is part of their religion and they truly believe that they are the highest evolved types on the planet and when they point to the success they've all had intergenerationally in acquiring more and more wealth and power and holding on to it, that to them is the proof of it. So they see all those below them as a separate subspecies of failures, literally. And, uh, and Charles Galton Darwin, the grandson of Charles Darwin, who was a physicist, in 1956 put out a book which everyone should get a hold of called the next million years uh, quite a boast for the leading families where he talked about the necessity of introducing, introducing uh, hormones into the male um, bloodstream female hormones to effeminize the last remnants as they go through the changes um, of using inoculations even to, to bring down the IQ levels of a people that you don't want too bright when you're bringing on major changes um, this guy was ruthless and he went right through the whole agenda on behalf of the elite, speaking for the elite. Uh, they have put their, their agenda right out in front of us, including yeah. the, the population reduction, uh, now that we no longer have a function. So, yeah, they're after incredible power. Power to a psychopath is addictive. That's why they, in this system, which is their system of profit and money, um, they must always get to the top because they are the most ruthless people in the planet. Well, the one thing I agree. The, the one thing I've I've always observed, Alan, is that there's only so much room at the top at that capstone. Mm -hmm. yep. Now they they have their useful idiots within their own circles that will be discharged when they're no, no longer necessary. Mm -hmm. And and I've explained it in simplistic terms, but I think it pretty much nails it that what we're looking at here is transnational corporations in the hands or kind of like a tripod the transnational corporations, the banks, and the governments. Mm -hmm. So you have them all intertwined and cooperating with each other. With And I would say, if there was one group of people in that tripod 
that was the controlling factor of it, it would be the money lenders. Well, it's not just the money lenders. Look at the royalty of Britain and the money that they have, what they've acquired. And even behind uh, the scenes, some of the richest men on the planet are never mentioned, or the countries they come from. India is one of the biggest players in this whole thing. One of the quietest countries uh, that's kept out of the news, except when one little canoe capsizes with 20 people on it crossing a river. Um, The Brahmins of India, for instance, have ruled India for thousands of years, uninterrupted. And if you go to a Brahmin wedding, you'll see that the bride bedecked in enough diamonds and jewelry, huge ones too, that would sink the royal family of Britain. And, and they are big money lenders in this whole business scheme of things too. They're kept out, out of the picture. Now when Rothschilds came into Britain, <coughs> he didn't sneak in. He was brought in by the royalty to manage uh, the monetary system. A man who supposedly would sink the Bank of England where all the nobility had their, their wealth accumulated and who walked the dark alleys of London would have been assassinated uh, in the first couple of days after the bank crashed unless he was uh, well taken care of. So, no, he, he was, the, he was, the, he was the, the, the king's man. They brought him in to manage the affairs. Gene, uh, we're coming up on well, a break. Anything else? Uh, no, I, I totally agree. I've tried to point out to people that these rulers from the royal family to the every dictator on earth is always taking out their uh, their own people, including their own families and blood relations, mm-hmm. but uh, they don't seem to think it applies anymore. I'm going to call back John and make a little donation. And, well, uh, thank you. I know they're coming at you from every angle. Well, I appreciate it very much, Gene. Thank, thank you for you. being there, brother. All right. We'll continue to be here, folks. Uh, when I mentioned alternative media before, um, I, I have watched Amy Goodman with Democracy Now!, I have watched other smaller organizations. I I know I know of this network because I had the network and I know who's on this network and I know who's working for the network. And Alan, um, I, I I need to be left off of that page when I said alternative medias. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't talking about this one. <laughs> no, I was thinking about newspapers and things. And... <laughs> But yeah, uh, mind you, within even the Patriot business, and it's a business too for a lot of people, um, there's also, uh, they've interjected the, their Trojan horses along the way. We've seen that with Bo Gritz that was put out for a few years on the shortwave. Uh, a man who claimed from the beginning he had hip pocket orders from the Pentagon, and then who was on the steps of the Congress denouncing the shortwave radio listeners right after 9-11 as being paranoid fanatics. I, I, can, I can remember that very well. We call him Beelzebo now. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. we'll break. We'll come back for the final segment right after this. Back, final segment, about four minutes here. Alan, have you ever thought about doing radio yourself? I have, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a possibility that we can open up a few slots on this network. Would you be interested in doing some programming on this network? I would be interested, but I don't have the cash. That's a problem. Well, uh, generally speaking, um, we provide all the services and the radio outlets. There's no charge ever to the uh, to the host out there. 
Uh, and uh, if you have high-speed Internet in Canada, then you've got to hook up to this network. Okay. Okay, I'll be sure I'll be interested. All right. We'll talk about that later. Okay, for the audience out there today, Mr. Watt, uh, parting shot, sir. Uh, They've got to start start talking to each other now instead of of talking into cell phones uh, and discussing their future, the dilemma we're in, and what their rights are right now because they do have rights. They have natural rights they're born with. And you don't need experts coming over you to, to condition you to believe you're inferior. You're not inferior at all. You have as much right as anyone else to decide how your life should go. It is, it is my life. I, I, <laughs> I was not consigned. Uh, many people believe that, uh, uh, and, and the global elite or the elite or the wannabe elites believe that they can control and manipulate, supposedly for our own good, but, um, the the globalists they aren't my mommy and they're not my daddy they didn't bring me into this world they didn't provide for me i am a single sovereign individual by the grace of god i'm on this planet and they own none of my time nor can they make any demands on me but they're trying to they are certainly trying to do that Yep, they, they look for the people's compliance and again that's why they love the, a, a democratic system where, uh, as you say yourself, uh, you know, 51% will decide for the rest, and the 51% always decide the way they're told to decide. They don't think for themselves. Thought is uh, deep. Thought and logic seems to be a scarcer commodity every day. Mr. Watt, uh, we're out of time here. I do appreciate your two hours on this Friday afternoon, and uh, we will talk. Um, we will talk in the future about that possibility of you coming up on the network. I look forward to it. All righty, sir. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.